I mean, eventually a jaguar or a tiger will hunt you down and eat your flesh. That's called aqua hiring. <laughs> Yes, Paul. You're excited about this guest. I am. I actually used the tool to remind me that we're going to be talking to the guy behind the tool with the tool. As nerds, we talk a lot about productivity management, running the company, what we use. What's the tool that you use? Well, there's manipulation and intimidation is my productivity tool for interacting with others. But for yeah. myself... <laughs> Not at all close to the truth. Don't don't worry. Come work at Postlight. We need all sorts of people to report directly to Rich. Um, okay, so but no, no, no. Enough, enough. What, no, what do you I'm use? I'm being silly. The tool I use is called Todoist. Oh, that's a nice name. I see you use this. I use it pretty religiously. For it many has, years, right? For years, and it has seeped into my patterns in working. And we've got the founder of Todoist today. Amir Salahifendij, welcome to Track Changes. Well, thank you, guys. I'm really happy to be here and chat about the stuff that I really am passionate about. Amir, I want you to tell us the story behind it, because I did the thing that everybody does. I said to myself, I need a better way to manage my tasks. And then I tried all of them. <laughs> I just went you down remember, Was the it like, list. remember the milk? Like, what do you... Yeah, remember the milk and Wonderlist. This I'm going back a bit and then any do. And the pool is deep, man. It just goes on and on. The thing is, you didn't have a revelation about a brand new way because there are a lot of tools like this. Eventually, I want us to talk about what's distinguishable about Todoist. And I have my own views there. But tell us the story behind it. When did you get started? What sort of sparked the idea? Yeah, so I was kind of in a similar boat as you. I checked everything out on the market and I didn't really like many of the solutions. And I, I did this like in 2007. So I think actually only like remember the milk was on the market back then. And one of the things I did was I thought like I could probably do something better myself. So that's kind of like the mindset I went into it. And I basically like, built like this simple to-do list for myself to manage like my projects. And I was actually studying computer science back then. So I had like a bunch of university projects and I also had like some personal projects. I also had like some part-time jobs and stuff. So my life was quite busy. So I really needed a tool like that. So that's basically how Todoist was born. Like it was basically a tool for myself. Got it. So you just started coding? I mean, did you sketch out what you thought you wanted and did you make it just for yourself? Were you thinking, I just need this for myself. I'm not looking to conquer the world here. I just need a thing. Exactly. So like I basically made it for myself. And the truth is like I actually worked on this like as a side project for like almost four years before I actually could see that this could actually have like some potential. I basically did like some other things like a social wow. network as my full time job. And then like in the nights, I would just like hack on this to do. And that's the storyline of this. And over those four years, was it just for yourself? Were you sharing it with anyone? So I actually had a pretty popular blog uh, and I had like some, you know, readers on there. And at some point I basically shared this and I got like a lot of signups. And then also at some other point, like Lifehacker covered it. 
it was covered by Dig, if somebody remembers Dig. So basically, actually, when I went full-time on it, it had like 300,000 users. So it had like a lot of traction. But the thing is, like, I was just ignoring it because, you know, I had like a social network to run. So what was the social network? It's basically like a Twitter kind of service. It's actually still running today. It's like pretty big in Taiwan. It's called Plurk. So if you go on Plurk.com, you will probably like be shocked. I mean, it's kind of like a really, really weird place on the internet. And I kind of like helped build that. The thing is like social network wasn't really a field I was like super passionate about. Uh And I really wanted to to go back and like do something that I did like during the nights and do it just like full time and think about much deeper level. So you got to 300,000 users. You didn't bring anybody to come on to help you with it, designers, engineers or anything. You just kept going on your own. Uh, Exactly. Exactly. And even like the, the business model, which is basically like I introduced like a premium package just so I can pay like the server cost. Like there was like no, you know, like price research and stuff like that. And that's at like a price point. And actually all the other to-do apps that came after us, they set a very similar price point. We basically have like a very, I think, random price point for task managers currently in the market. Where were you in the world when this was happening? In Denmark. So I was born in Bosnia, but I grew up in Denmark. Gotcha. And then so did you have anything like a personal life during this time? <laughs> oh, well, that's a, that's a good question. I actually did. I mean, I lived in a dorm room with like uh, other students. So actually, like it was really a fun time. But the thing is, like, there was like no, you know, like work life balance. Like, I mean, you know, I didn't have kids. And like, at some point, I got a girlfriend. But a lot of times I was just also just alone. You know, I mean, you put that you put that on the to do list. Yeah. And it's, Check it's, off. Get girlfriend. Get girlfriend. So what is it like you're in this dorm-like environment. You're creating tools that hundreds of thousands of people are using. I'm assuming the next guy. Mind you, he's 35 at that point. He's still at the dorm, but he's. The next guy (laughs) down the hall is like, you know, setting up his website. What was that like? You had to have the biggest impact. I, I actually honestly didn't really think about it that much. I mean, it was just like some fun stuff I did on the side. So I, I didn't like reflect much about what I actually did. Do you remember your first customer? Not really. I remember my first review, which was actually like by Koi Win, who I'm actually still friends with today. He still has actually a blog called Subtraction. I'm not sure if you know it. But mm-hmm. No, we, we've had him as a guest on the, the podcast. Yeah, he's great. We're, we're actually like two blocks away from him. He works at Adobe very near us. Yeah. He made like a very good review of today's and I was just like shocked that he could actually like he really liked it and stuff. So I remember that. I don't remember the first customer because honestly, like, you know, I wasn't really optimizing for like business success or like revenues. I was just doing it, you know, like undecided. You know, Paul, as we're talking, I realized in our enthusiasm, we sort of skipped over what Todoist is. Yes, we should. We should. <laughs> what is Todoist, Amir? I mean, I think like it is what you make it. So for some people, they basically manage like their whole life from it. So it's basically like a task management, but it's more like a system for your life and your work. So for me, at least that's what it is. It's kind of like including like personal stuff. Like I have shared lists with my wife and stuff. So I think like, you know, you can either like keep it very simple or keep it like very complex. It's really, you know, up to people how they actually use it. So it's a productivity tool and it allows you to sort of manage your tasks, manage your to-dos, put time requirements around them if you want. And collaborate. And it has collaboration as well. So I want to get back to when you obviously are hitting now, you're hitting the real numbers, right? You're getting to 300,000 users. 
What are you thinking at that point? Are you thinking, I need to go raise money? Or are you thinking, I have some savings, maybe let me hire someone? Like, what's your thought process at that point in time? I mean, actually, like very early on, I got contacted by like some very famous VCs and they basically like wanted to do like a seed investment. I think it was 500,000, something like, you know, for me, like that makes, you know, a few thousand dollars per month on this. Like that's a lot of money. And like one of the first suggestions he wanted to do is basically like replace me as the CEO. <laughs> so, so that basically fell apart. And then also like on the social network, I had like some really bad experience with like building like these businesses that didn't really make any money. So for me, I didn't really want to go like the DC route. So you're very hesitant. You're very hesitant because you knew that this thing that you've cultivated and you hold dear was going to get compromised. You were starting to sense that. So what'd you do? Well, I the thing I did is like I actually co-founded another product because I still didn't believe like in Todoist as like a, a business. So I actually went to Chile and I started Vidoist, which is basically project management tool. And that kind of like failed. It at least didn't gain like the traction I expected. And that's where I actually went and worked full time on Todoist. And that's where things really began to grow because I could use all of the knowledge I have spent, you know, working on the social network and other like random stuff I worked in. And I just poured that back into Todoist. So I created like a lot of results early on. So I could actually go in and hire people and like scale. All right. So now how many people is Todoist today? So basically, like we are called Duist now. So we basically removed the two and called the company Duist. And we are about like 73 people. We are remote first company spread over 25 countries. 25 countries? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, we have people from all the continents, including Africa now. So that's very cool. What does Duist do? Like, what are the products? So we basically have like Todoist and then we have Twist, which is kind of like asynchronous team communication app that we are doing. So those are our two main products right now. We might add some more in the future, but at least for now, we are quite occupied with those two. What is your day-to-day job? What do you do all day? Well, until maybe like six months ago, I was actually still coding most of the time. So, you know, it's like uh, not really that recommended, but my passion is kind of like creating and like coding. Like if I want to de-stress, I basically open up the code editor. (laughs) But right now I'm kind of like transitioning myself into kind of like the CEO that company needs. So I spend a lot of my time actually right now, like writing and in meetings. And I still find a bit of time to do some coding, but not much. Obviously, your path is unique and admirable in that you didn't fall into the typical VC path, which obviously would have put undue pressure. So you sniffed that out early. You're like, ah, I don't want this to happen because they're going to put enormous pressure on growth and the like. What's the, I mean, there are a lot of people out there who build that tool. They've built the tool for themselves. Well, I mean, the actual demo of a new web framework is the to-do app. Yeah. It's, it's seen as the baseline. It's like, hello world for yeah. interactive apps. And so what kind of advice would you give someone that has aspirations and doesn't want to go down that path? Because a lot for a lot of people, they're like, I got the seed round. And they actually view that as success. And then it's just it's a quick tornado right into the barn. It's just not good 99% of the time, by design, in fact. Right. So you can say, oh, and, and then fast forward, we're 73 people today across all the continents. That's amazing to get there, I guess. How do you scale that? And sort of related, I mean, this is a hyper-remote setup, right? How do you stay productive in a setup like that, in a structure like that? Yeah, I mean, those are two very good 
questions. And, and honestly, I, I think like something that's like undervalued right now, it's kind of persistence and like really believing in something. So even like, for instance, right now, like we are working on Twist and, you know, it has not really like a super strong product market fit, mm-hmm. but we have been at yeah. this for like five years and we can easily invest five more years because we just believe that asynchronous communication will become the default at some point. And, you know, like most people like will not really spend five years on creating a tool. So, of course, like maybe this is also too extreme and like maybe you can actually spend five years like doing something that's like not that a good idea. But I think like persistence and like really believing in something that has probably separated Todoist from like other like to do apps where Mm -hmm. somebody like maybe codes something for like a month or even like a few weeks and then they stop doing that. While like my persistence was like at least like five years like four years alone hacking on this almost maybe every day or like at least a few times per week. So I think that that's something that I really recommend is like persistence, like really believing in something and maybe also setting up a structure where, you know, you don't need to hit a home run like on month three, but you can kind of have like a two year long runaway where you maybe like do this on the side. But of course, like there's also like a lot of like survivorship bias included in these. <laughs> so maybe like what has worked for Todoist will not really work for others. Yeah. So I think it's kind of very hard to actually recommend anything. Mm-hmm. And the other question is like remote first. I mean, for us, it was kind of just like a given, like I was doing this from Chile and I couldn't really hire anybody. And like 10 years ago, there was not many engineers or designers in Chile that could fit the bill that, that I needed. So, you know, I was kind of just like forced into like the remote first thing. Like it wasn't, you know, like grand design. It was just like, okay, I need to hire some people and, you know, let's do it remotely. (laughs) Yeah. Amir, you know, looking at your products, it's a very deliberative process. They're simple. There aren't a million features. What is the process for getting a new feature landed in Todoist? I want to tack on a compliment to Paul's question, which is the reason I latched on to Todoist is because its best feature was it had less features. No joke. It was right. they how all did, get into a feature war and it was there was simplicity around it. How so do you a, avoid complexity? Like we are very careful about like the stuff that we actually add. And even right now, like we might be adding too much. So I think actually the best products that are really simple and that do one thing or a few things really, really well. Maybe like Instagram is a great example of this. That's kind of like our inspiration. So it's kind of like doing a very simple product that can do some simple things. But also another aspect, and that comes like from the development area. Like I love the Vim editor. I'm unsure if you guys know it. Uh, And actually like I have done like one of the most popular Vim RCs. So if you basically search for like Vim configuration Google, like I think mine will be probably at the top. Half of Postlight is probably using that. Um, <laughs> our company is big on Vim. That's amazing. I mean, I think also there's like some really beauty in like creating a product. I mean, Vim is kind of just like one canvas and then you can do like almost anything inside this canvas. And for this as well, it's kind of like very simple, but like there's so much complexity also. And you can do like some really, really like insane things. And people do this, like, for instance, like our filtering system supports like Boolean logic. So you can do like all kind of like crazy queries on your tasks that other products don't really offer. I mean, for me, it's kind of like on the surface, make something simple, but like once you begin to dig deep into it, you can actually make it really, really complex and like get some you know crazy stuff done. Well, I mean, I, I think that's good to hear, right? The complexity is there. It's just, you have to want it. 
Exactly. That's a great way to pull it, Paul. Yeah. And I've seen that because every so often I get a little frustrated because I have a particular case that I want to do us to do. For example, the task could be make eye contact with my wife and I'll put that in (laughs) and I'll want a very weird way, sort of an esoteric way of like doing it recurring and things like that. And you have to dig a little. And I think what that is, it's, it's there. It's there. Not only is it there. It isn't presumptuous. There is so much design today that's like, look at me, check out all these bars and buttons. and. Well, also, they love to reinvent the date picker, right? And and it's just calm down, man. I'm trying to process what this even is. You know, being discreet, being unassuming in your interface. Now, people, I mean, I'm speaking as if I'm talking about a person. No, it's confidence. You go to a cocktail party and the person walks up to you and just tells you their whole life story in five minutes and you haven't met them yet. No, no, that's most apps. That's, That's most. Yeah. Inter- we're, if you we're, want the pro plan, they'll tell you five more minutes. Exactly. Exactly. And I think understand that people have only so much cognitive bandwidth to process a thing is key. I think that's really, really important. You know, this as an example, you and I know a really smart lawyer who works in kind of global trade. And if you talk to this guy, he doesn't talk about the law very much. He mostly talks about his interest. But if you need him to talk about the law... You're going to fall in. Yeah. It, it's like he knows everything top to bottom. And that, that to me is the profile of the expert. Like yeah. they know so much and they're very confident and they just kind of come in the room and they're like, oh, okay, here, yep. let me do it for you. And so that's the vibe we've got here. It's like, I'm absolutely going to manage your tasks. And you go, well, I need a recurring event. Yeah. And it goes, sure, I, Just, I got those. It's going to take a little bit of probing. You know, another app that reminds me of this and it tries to hide away a lot is Bear. I'm sure you're familiar with Bear, Amir. It's, oh, that's a beautiful product. Beautiful product. And again, they didn't want to do the toolbar up on the top and across the side and all that. It's like, in fact, a lot of its features are how you can hide away things. Yeah. It actually wants to put things away. There's a thing I keep thinking which is that software is a story that people are telling about other people, about users, right? Like this is who I think you are. You know, engineers are telling you that story. Product managers mm-hmm. are telling you that story. And so like you're warming up. You love this because I think it really reflects your self-image and, and it reflects like sort of how you see the world, which is like, just give me the thing so I can get my basics done and I'm going to need the power. So I need to know it's there, but don't come running to me. Yeah. Don't put it in my face. Right. Exactly. And I think that was an angle. I mean, that was the reason I, I settled on it. And once I settled, you hook in. And then you invest in the product well, and you become a too. pro and it's bear. Bear as well. is like, yeah. you're not, you're going to prefer to just hit a pound sign and you're going to learn yeah. three or four simple things. After that, we can build the relationship. Exactly. And I think it's worth noting. I mean, this is a productivity tool and a very powerful one. You know, Apple spearheaded the way towards simplicity on the consumer side, mm-hmm. but we see it. And we spent time yesterday looking at a lot of enterprise products. Oh, brutal. It is an unbelievable hellscape. And it's fascinating because I think there is a strain of thinking in that world where, hey, I am a professional. I'm an expert in a very particular thing and I need the full 747 dashboard. I think there's a little bit of that. They want the cockpit. They want the cockpit and I think that's real. But man, that's a very vulnerable market because I think when people get it right from a design perspective, then... Well, I mean, you know, we see it with things like Slack and other product like growth companies where people just start using them because they want to get their work done. Sure. Amir, one of the things that I'm absolutely obsessed with is how a company can show up and really not revolutionize anything, 
but do things just a little bit better and absolutely torpedo the competition. And they're a latecomer. I'll give you an example. Slack showed up. And prior to Slack, there were numerous group chat tools. Dropbox showed up and Dropbox wasn't the first to have folders and syncing and such. Zoom showed up and obviously there were a host of video conferencing platforms. What do you think those players that seem to somehow show up and then sprint ahead of the field, what do you think they're doing that is allowing them to do that, to achieve that kind of success, even though they're, they're coming in late to the game? Yeah, I mean, that is something that we think a lot about. And something I think that's very critical is basically like the acceleration of this. You know, most people think actually that most of the great ideas, they are already implemented. But I think like we are just starting out, especially like in the work environment. So for instance, like if you think about it on the consumer side, I mean, let's take email as an example. On the consumer side, if you actually use Instagram, they have like filtering system so you can actually see the most interesting stuff for you. Their search is amazing. And then you have like email and most email clients, you have to do like a ton of grunt work yourself to actually process your inbox. And I think like email is probably a great example where we are at regarding like work tools. So I'm pretty sure like very soon we will see like email apps and I think Superhuman is a great example that we just like dominate this and we'll have like another Zoom. And how do they do it? I think it's basically like maybe that we become as like a community much better at creating products. And when you actually like solve something again that you can maybe like use new knowledge and like redesign stuff. Yeah, I'm actually also like if Zoom or Slack fits into this but the thing is, like, a lot of the stuff they did, like, especially, like, the small details, they got really right. And maybe those previous companies, they didn't. I mean, it's hard to know, but I think, like, we just care a lot more about, like, the quality and, like, the user interaction, design, user experience, and also engineering as well. Like, uh, you know, some of these, like, Zoom, like, is really well engineered. So that would be at least my answer. But it is interesting, and I hope we will see a lot more of this. You know, I, I think it's an inspiring story. I mean, I, I mean, he hasn't talked about it, but clearly Amir is a fugitive on the run. That's he's, right. He's hopped across, I don't know how many countries, while he built this amazing startup that has people all over the world contributing to it. I think it's a great, joking aside, counter sort of classic VC tech crunch story that speaks to some, you know, a team that's committed to quality. I think design and empathy is a big part of this. So congratulations on your success here. And thank you for coming on Track Changes. Well, thank you guys for having me. And honestly, I think like this kind of storyline is probably something that will be replicated a lot more. You know, if you think about like there's billions of people and like billions of people have actually access to like all of human knowledge. So I'm pretty sure like we will actually see a lot more like crazy stories popping up. And like some of these will be outside of these like hops that we currently have. So I'm actually quite excited about the future, even though we have like a lot of bad stuff happening as well. It's a great place to leave it. <laughs> some good news for yeah, once. So we'll, we'll end on a bright note for once. That's great. Amir, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Amir. Thank you guys for having me and have a great day. All right. You know what? Now that we've done that and you've heard him talk about his product strategy, I'm terrified about how much I'm going to have to hear about Todoist and how certain products are just so simple and wonderful, magical. I hear about it a lot already. 
Yeah, it's, it's got only just confirmed now. everything. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's a cool story too. The VCs, and obviously the VCs are a particular business model and they're driven by particular things, but there are a lot of successful companies out there that don't become billion dollar companies that deliver a really great product. You know, it's, why, it's just how often you hear that story. It's like, well, and then venture capital, but yeah. nah, mostly with VC stuff you hear like, and then it didn't go so good. But the thing is, unicorns are weird. They're not even real. I'd rather just be like an antelope. That's a wonderful thing to be. Or a zebra. Yeah. You know, an interesting observation here that I'm going to make. It's interesting because I'm making it. You know, we asked him to explain how do you kind of keep it simple. There's no real answer. The no. Answer, the answer is I keep it simple. Yeah. It's like, hard. It's not. There's no magical it's keep hard. it simple process. It's like, no, no, I, I don't allow things to happen that would lead to difficult complexity. And, and I've worked with those designers who have almost a reflex reaction to the wrong thing mm-hmm. because they see the right thing in their head. And it's a pretty intense sentiment that, oh boy. that arises. And that's very strong in the room. There's been a lot of design books written, man, but this is about design. Todoist is about design. It's about simplicity and about empathy and understanding what users want. But this is, I mean, to me that you're told, like, keep it simple. And, you know, look at Apple. And it's stuff. hard. That's an instinct that you cultivate, not a process that you follow. It's not supposed to be. Everything's supposed to be reducible to process, and that's better for everybody. But the reality is it's people who just are obsessed with it and won't leave it alone who yeah. get it done. I have a move I make as a product manager when I get to be product manager sometimes. Yeah. Because people are pushing for a particular feature. I said, let them ask for it. Yeah. What I mean is go out. Let's see how many people actually want this, and let them ask for it. I'm always trying to take things out. That is an instinct of mine, which mm-hmm. is to take things out. There is a debate right now that's ongoing about a particular feature in Dash, our Slack tool, uh, that is has ruined relationships. It really me. has. <laughs> there's a lot. Of, what, what's amazing is when you have a Slack tool, there's a lot of back channel about. <laughs> you know what? I kind of agree with it. Yeah. No, it's just I'm really yeah. tired of this argument. Anyway, one day, yeah. keep it simple. And if you like building products that are simple and having product managers and leadership advocate for that, not just internally, but with the client, and you want to work at an agency. Top-notch engineering, great design. Yeah, especially if you're a director of design. You have an opportunity to come here and make a big global impact. A big splash. The way to do it is to send an email to hello at postlight.com or go to our website and check out our careers page. And someone will get back to you right away. Have a lovely week. Everybody do good. Keep your notes. Check off your to-do items. That's it. Have a good week. Hello at postlight.com. That's our name. Bye. Bye.